Show me when you're ready. I'm gonna start. Alright. Uh, smack myself. Wake myself up. We're getting to a weird trance from that movie. <laughs> Save it for the podcast, come on. Save your trances for the podcast. Yeah, transient. Are you listening to me different things? Okay, ready? Yes. I think you need to tighten that side so it's not... Are you going to be leaning down the whole time? Mm, you think it's not going to pick up your stuff enough? It just might be uncomfortable for you. No, I was thinking maybe it'll pick it up. Oh. Okay. about being fully in my face? Because I probably speak well. I don't speak louder. But... I'm a very loud talker. Not in the podcast, though. Just when your housemates are sleeping. Yeah. Housemates? Are you British? What do you call them? Roommates. You don't share a room. You share a house with them. They're no, your people housemates. call them roommates anyway. People. I know technically they're housemates. British people call them flatmates. It's true. People who think about what they're saying call them housemates, and thoughtless people, thoughtless fools, call them roommates. And this, this was our review of the lawnmower. Man. <laughs> All right, hi guys, welcome to yet another episode of <laughs> well, Power Bottoms. Working title. <laughs> I like that title. Welcome to Power Bottoms, where we explore uh, the bottom of the barrel. Bad the seedy underbarrel of bad movies. The seedy underbarrel of, of film. Uh, we explore movies that are traditionally held to be bad um, to see if they have any redeeming qualities other than just schlock. Yeah, but we're not going to just watch you know any random crappy movie. It has to be something that we have some interest in. It has to have some, have had some kind of you know cultural impact. This list has been finely curated. By us. By us. We are fine taste. The, the last word in film. We know it's good, and uh, we know it's bad. Somewhere. The last word in film. Dot, dot, it dot. was going somewhere. I I ended it with we know what's good and we know what's bad. There we go. That could be our what, tagline. Power bottoms. We know what's good. And we know what's bad. What better way to toot our own horn? Exactly. Than to say we know good from bad. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't. For example, the people who made Lawnmower Man. That's which is the movie we didn't just mention that for no reason. That's the movie we watched for this episode, yeah. and we're gonna discuss this. Right now. So, for those of you who are unfamiliar with Lawnmower Man, um, I'm just gonna pull up. Uh, here we go. Here's a plot summary: The eccentric Dr. Lawrence Angelo, paired, played by Pierce Brosnan, puts mentally disabled landscaper Job Smith on a regimen of experimental pills and computer-simulated training se- sequences in hopes of augmenting the man's intelligence. In time, Job becomes noticeably brighter and also begins to fare much better with the opposite sex. But as he develops psychic powers, he realizes that those around him have taken advantage of his simplicity his whole life, and he plots a bloody revenge. Wow. A lot to unpack you, here. You don't even need to see the movie after reading that description. You're probably better off not <laughs> yeah, seeing Yeah, you're better movie. off not seeing the movie and just knowing it's the description. It's probably a much better movie in your mind uh, based on that description. Yeah, we both thought it was going to be better too going into it. I was kind of excited to watch this film. Me too. I, I knew it was kind of a, like, it, you know, it's it, very dated, but I also knew that it was, you know, by some people revered because it, it did kind of, you know, like spark a lot of people's imagination for, you know, virtual reality, which is, that's movie's being talked about lately again because virtual reality is becoming a real thing right now. And... 
and you know, like he can't fault him too much, but boy, it was their vision of virtual reality back then something else and <laughs> almost nothing to do with actual virtual reality. <laughs> I almost feel like it's a cheap shot to criticize them for the really bad effects and the cheesy virtual reality. Is it though? <sighs> The is thing is, though, I don't know. Going into it, you go into it knowing. Going into what it, you're I was like, I'm going to be forgiving. I'm going to, you know, this movie was made in 1992. And yeah, I, I was willing to be a little bit looser in my judgment of the effects, but uh, it was very hard. It was difficult. Yeah, you it was know, taxing. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know. Like, I mean, maybe if you're a kid watching it, maybe then it's kind of forgivable, but, but I feel like. Boy, like the, those are special effects. That, like you know, you have to just have an idea of what, what's possible and what's not possible on your budget at the time, right? Like, and mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's a little bit astounding that they decided, hey, this is uh, you know, this is gonna be okay. This is good. This is good enough. To, we can <laughs> we can we can make a movie out of this. Yeah, we can work with this. I, another reason I was willing to be more forgiving was because it had such a small budget. It was an independent film. It was only six million dollars, which six million is still a lot of money, but it's it's not as much as. Other famously bad movies that we've seen, such as Battlefield Earth and Waterworld, Those are which big, were just big budget, money guzzlers. You know, yeah. So I was like, okay, didn't have a lot of money. 1992, Fiascos. working with digital, virtual reality things. Um, but there were so many other things about this movie that were bad besides the effects, and I think that's what I want to talk about mm-hmm. now. Uh, just also, to get this out of the way, yes, this movie is very offensive to people with mental disabilities. <laughs> yes. If you're asking, yes. The in so many ways, but not even in just the writing and the acting, but also down to things like costume design. This movie is highly offensive. This movie is highly offensive to a lot of people. I think. <laughs> uh, but I think people with uh, think any sort have, of mental disability. I don't think disability you have, to, yeah, think you have mental disabilities precedent. to be offended. For this movie <laughs> I wasn't really offended for it, for it. I mean, by it, but I, like I was speaking to you earlier, I did feel like it sort of crushed my spirit a little bit after I finished watching it. Oh yeah, this is the first movie we've seen together. Where afterwards, you just looked at me and you were like, "I'm much less happy now." <laughs> I think I'm, I'm became not... a less happy person. Exactly. <laughs> A lot of times when you watch movies that are so bad, they're good. And there were a lot of times in this movie where we laughed at dumb things or we just had, you know, these, whoa, what just happened moments. Yeah. But in the end, neither of us had that warm, fuzzy feeling of watching a cheesy cult movie. It was just sort of an overbearing sadness. Yeah, it, like, it had the moments when we were just kind of like both looking at each other and laughing at it. But then so much of it was just kind of like staring at it and just slowly like having your spirit sucked out of you. like Yeah. By like, you know, just whatever inane idea they had for a scene here and there like exactly there were a lot of things that i think were ill-advised one of the things that struck us both as really weird uh was the dubbing in this film yes it seems almost nitpicking but i feel like it really influenced my watching of the film the fact that you had characters walking down a hall and it didn't even look like their lips were moving yes that was very weird so it, it seemed like a weird like movie that straddled the line between um you know, regular movie release kind of, but kind of a uh, production values and TV. Mm-hmm. And as you know, I'm guessing a lot. Of, I'm guessing it's mostly populated by TV actors at the time. Yeah, this is I think Pierce Brosnan's first feature. It's his first feature. Also, you know, not knowing, watching it now, you realize, oh, the guy who played Hank on Breaking Bad, he's one of the. He's like. Yeah, main... he has an English accent, and he plays a big bad government official. Yeah, he's like a government official who, you know, the main villain essentially. Um, Actually, also, not even TV. At, at one point, Igor pointed out that it felt like we were watching not Lawnmower Man, but the porn version of Lawnmower Man. It felt like we were watching the, the porn version of a movie that never actually came out. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. 
Because Pierce Brosnan got big, they're like, you know, you know what? Don't even put out the real one. <laughs> the porn one's gonna be. We're gonna put it out like the real, the regular one instead. Because uh, and they just the, cut out the sex. Everything. Well, a little bit like, of sex kept in there. Yeah, there was a, a bunch of sex in there. There is sex with a mentally weird sick person sex. there. Yes. Like the weirdest sex scene you'll ever see in your entire life is in this movie. I'm but I still don't that. think I it would go that far. But it you've was, seen weirder sex scenes. I, I have seen some Cronenberg films. Yes. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that's actually kind of but what I everything thought about from it. the dialogue to the lighting to the the weird sound mixing just made me feel like I was watching the setup to a weird porn in a lot yes, of scenes. A lot of scenes were, like, and all mm-hmm. of a sudden, like, and then the weird penchant for a lot of characters to, for no reason, all of a sudden, like, hey, I'm gonna be in it without a shirt on in this scene. Oh yeah, a lot of toplessness. As soon as, a lot, as, of as, soon as the, the a lot of male toplessness. Yes, which is... <laughs> yes, it seems like a very like you know. Male erotic, like Showtime, kind of uh, in this movie. Yeah, it was um, strange. I guess um, I I don't prefer it. I guess when you know women are thrown around and shown as being topless for the sake of just sex cells, but it it was particularly jarring seeing it happen with men. Where just um, and there's a character who's a priest. He's like a fifty year old priest. Even he gets topless at one point. Mm-hmm. It's just bizarre. It's a yeah. it's a crazy cartoon and. Uh, th- this weird sort of sexual tension that pervades the film. Again, not in like a sexy way, but in a very uncomfortable way. Like you just feel like someone is being taken advantage of there's when a, you're watching this movie. There's a really weird moment where it's like, um, we'll get to how he becomes smarter, but when the lawnmower man, this mentally disabled guy who just mows the lawns, you know, because that's, I guess, all he can do, mm-hmm. and he's, he's happy doing it. He's a lawnmower But like all of a sudden, he gets, you know, smarter through whatever work that Pierce Brosnan's character did, and the moment where it shows that he's, you know, arrived sexually at the scene <laughs> is like when this rich, you know, horny lady that lives next door to whatever, to, or, or in the house that he, you know, uh, mows the lawn, all of a sudden she just looks into her rearview mirror of the car and she just sees a, like a guy bending over and just his ass in the thing. Yeah, it's just and, a butt, a butt in the rearview like, mirror. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> and she just looks at him, and then, and after that, like she's gotta have him, like you know, whatever. But the guy. thing is, there was a weird tension between them before. She sees him she when him he's in his yeah. super. Um, yes, before, when he was still shabby. I don't, like I him. don't know what a PC way is to call this. Like in his super pre-treatment stage, where uh, the costume designer just just decided, okay, so he's mentally challenged. We're gonna put him in a grotesque blonde wig um, and overalls. It, uh, it had to be a wig. It was the, either a bad wig or the worst haircut in the world. I think it was just in the 90s, coming out of the 80s. Possibly. But it just looks like someone took a, a handful of straw and dumped it on someone's head. It's, it's he bad. Looks a little bit like Some of the HRD worst hair there. I've seen. Yeah. And an uh, oversized pair of overalls. And uh, I feel like the director told the actor, like, no, make your face stupider, stupider, stupider. And... Mm-hmm. There's some really hammy, um, you know, mentally disabled acting in this. Oh yeah, it's bad. If anyone has seen Tropic for Thunder, what, for whatever reason, it, his you face know the is movie constantly wet in this movie. I oh yeah, it. just always glistening, so much glistening. Even when he is quote unquote intelligent, yes. his top lip is just shiny constantly. It made me very really uncomfortable. Strange. But yeah, if anyone has seen Tropic Thunder, um, I'm not sure if this is even this might have been what they were parodying um, with the. Uh, the movie within a movie in Tropic Thunder where Ben Stiller, is it Ben Stiller? Is that his yes. name? His, I, I can't believe I forgot that. Uh, his, char- his character plays a character who's mentally disabled. Um, 
And uh, in as he does a lot, Zoolander. And in the in the film, the the joke is that he went too over the top, and it was too his portrayal of a mentally disabled person was just like too schlocky and brainless. And I feel like Lawnmower Man was a, a real life version of what happened in Tropic Thunder in that case. Are you suggesting Lawnmower Man as a documentary? No, I just think that in Tropic Thunder they might have made it a, a nod to Lawnmower Man or borrowed some elements of it in their parody of a grotesquely bad film. I think this movie's making you like uh, see connections that are crazy. Out there. <laughs> I think you're trying to. My brain is just grasping at straws because I'm, I don't know what to do I'm, with this I'm, movie. I'm guessing exactly. I'm guessing <laughs> it's gonna destroy your worldview, and you're just trying to find some semblance of reason, some connections. Uh, but yeah, the, the costume design in this movie was bad. Not just for its. I'm going to straight up say that the costume design in this movie was offensive to mentally disabled people. But beyond that... Because of the cover overalls? Because of the overalls and the hair and just the... uh, Everything. And... um, But it it went beyond that. And there were some other really bad moments. Like, there's a part where Pierce Brosnan's character, this scientist, this British scientist, is sitting in a, a boardroom talking to his boss. And his legs are up... uh, You know when men sit with when they cross their legs, but they just sort of rest their ankle on their other leg. As I am doing right now. Yeah, Igor's sitting that way now, as you can all see clearly. And he's wearing a like a dress shirt and a sweater and heavy socks and boots, but he's wearing little shorts. It's the 90s, y'all. You can't argue it's the 90s. No one would dress like that in a boardroom, especially given that ev- everything else about him suggests like this man should be wearing pants and say he's wearing shorts. It just looks like his character woke up and forgot to put on pants and swear yeah. his boxers to meeting his boss. Costume design is bad. This is just the sort of stuff that I noticed because I studied costume design, but um, this movie was offensive to me as someone who <laughs> is invested in costuming. This movie was also especially offensive to one uh, Stephen King, apparently. Oh, I, yeah. I, I, you know, when I briefly looked this movie up, it said, oh, based on a story by Stephen King. I'm like, oh. And Stephen King did write a short story called The Lawnmower Man. You know, horror things he did, like kind of like Carrie. Or and Christine, sure enough, where the car turns evil, or like where the vending okay. machines turn evil. I was thinking it was in that go. vein of Stephen King, you know? Yeah, exactly. So I was thinking it's that too. And, and sure enough, it has like a lot of overtones. It, I feel like it shares a lot of DNA with Carrie. Mm-hmm. Um, like a, a loner who gets telekinetic revenge on people who, who is ab- tormented him. abused by these people mm-hmm. and then eventually goes to the breaking point and goes and, you know, essentially gets revenge on everyone. Mm-hmm. So this movie's kind of, it felt like it's basically a combination of that along with like a Frankenstein kind of a you know story. So basically, yeah, it's, it's creating a monster that becomes monster. too yeah. too yeah. powerful. Yeah, um, it's a weird mishmash of those, and it's like I almost don't know which side, like which point it's making. Probably none of them. It's probably just thinking, okay, I'll I'll do a. Because at the end, the main character talks like about uh, Job, the um, the mentally challenged man. He talks about his brave sacrifice thing, and so you're left wondering, okay, was he a villain or was he, you know. Which uh, you, you've um, read the Bible but... um, and the Job Job character. Like, <laughs> do you feel like the name? Was oh no! At, at all, I, I, I was wondering. I was meaning? thinking maybe like... they are going to play with that, but the character of Job was just someone who had bad things happen to him, and he yeah, uh, that's accurate. Like bad thing after bad thing after bad, and had everything taken away from him, and basically he never yeah. lost his faith, and um, he just stayed positive and optimistic throughout. So the Job in this movie, he's a good guy who gets everyone taking advantage of him, and then. He becomes a cyber Christ, and that's how he keeps the faith. I don't want to connect this to the story of Job. I feel like a more accurate um, Job movie would be uh, A Simple Man by the Coens. That's a a Job character. 
but this guy was not. Uh, it's a, a different Job. It's Job, Job with an character. E at the end. Oh yeah, they spelled Job with an E at the end. That was distracting. Also, Igor downloaded like an Italian version, and we saw the uh, subtitles. We didn't have to do them. We could have turned them off. It's true. We we watched it in English, but for some reason they were subtitles. So this was how we originally learned that Job is spelled with an E. But back to Stephen King, Stephen King did not write this movie, and his name was taken off of the production after a lawsuit. The only thing that this movie shares with the original short story, The Lawnmower Man by Stephen King, is a scene where a police officer informs another police officer that there are body parts in a birdbath. And that's the only... One of the highlights of the movie, I'm going to say. Oh, it was, featuring the principal from Twin Peaks... The, the one telling that, like, a, yep. <laughs> telling like a that. random stranger all of the details of all of the crimes. Yeah, I wonder how many people would, would recognize him as the principal from, from Twin Peaks. Except for like me, who have seen that like ep- the first episode like ten times. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. It's still a fun little cameo. That isn't really a cameo. <laughs> it's a little cameo. You're like, hey, everyone will recognize you from this. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Man, all right. Let's look at some notes here. Uh, okay, so like, the, let's um, let's analyze the whole like this whole movie. Um, the, the idea of it basically is based on you know it introduces a lot of people to uh, what virtual reality could be. Uh, but I feel like in a much the same way that Tron, you know, came around way before like uh, um, you know personal computers uh, computers in general like became super prominent in everyone's lives because before people had much of a grasp on what it is. Therefore, it, it had a lot of uh, room to play around with what technology even really means, what computers mean, and like what simulations are. So, like a lot of it, a lot of what they talk about in Tron is just like nonsense from an actual computing standpoint. It's, <laughs> it's, it's basically like magic. Like, and in the same way, this whole virtual reality thing is treated, and it's just like, it, like I mean, these guys are putting on headsets, but for whatever reason, they're in these gyro spheres that are they spin around, and you can't tell like how that improves the virtual reality <laughs> thing at all. And somehow they just being in this virtual reality headset just you know, like Neo-style, like lets them just absorb information and it mm-hmm. changes them. And... At one point uh, in a, uh, oh man, a lot of flashing, don't watch this show if you uh, are prone to seizures, if you have epilepsy, because, yeah, a lot of flashing imagery. But in one scene, the, he's, the Job character is plugged into a VR headset and has just colors coming at him. And this symbol that I learned afterwards is a Kabbalah symbol. Mm-hmm. It, it keeps flashing at his face. Um I don't know why that was, they decided to put that in there. We thought for a minute maybe it was like maybe it's teaching him geometry, but no, it's just this weird. Really? Yeah. But Kabbalah is, isn't that derived from like a Judaism? Judaism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no explanation for why they chose it. So I think the director just saw it, it and was like, "That looks also. cool." Yeah. Or maybe we just keep watching all these movies by accident, like that are backed by weird religious groups. So like <laughs> Battlefield Earth was uh, Scientology. This one is Kabbalah. What was Waterworld? Oh, um, what could Waterworld be? It's probably that Korean uh, cult that is like uh, the alien cult. Korean alien cult? Yeah, you don't know about this? There's this huge cult in Korea. You mean the Kim Jong no, Il? No, 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 South Korea. South Korea? Yeah. People are Korea, all over the world get your it. cults in line, please, people. Yeah, it's something that has to do with crazy, but, weird alien stuff, dude. Uh, you, you should look it up afterwards. Okay, so hopefully this podcast isn't stopping recording. Okay, like last time. Yeah, last time we talked too long, and then the computer went to screensaver, and, and everything, everything ground to a halt. Hopefully, hopefully that's changed now. 
We were we just asked, we asked the nice talking to, to nothing it. for about 45 minutes. Maybe one day that episode will be saved and you'll, you know, all you loyal listeners will get to hear one half of that episode. Well, the uh, in a bonus director's cut. Then you won't even have to watch Battlefield Earth. You'll get everything you need and more. From I, think, I don't think anyone has to watch Battlefield Earth. I gotta say, I'm gonna come out and say it, I probably had the most fun watching Battlefield Earth out of all these three movies. <laughs> that one was schlocky, and it and it kind of did an okay job with the schlockiness <laughs> of it. These other ones are just kind of all over the place and kind of a mess. Uh, mm. So, back to, away from Igor's favorite film, Battlefield Earth. Great segue. Back towards... Great segue. Lawn War Man. <laughs> <laughs> great segue back into the real thing we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you, Igor. Speaking of segues... Have you seen Waterworld? No, <laughs> <laughs> we talked a lot when we watched this movie about this short. Is it a short story or a novella? I wrote it. I read it in school, so I don't remember. But um, flowers, for flowers Algernon. for Algernon. 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 Okay. Uh, so when I read the synopsis of this at first, I thought it was going to be some sort of a sci-fi flowers for Algernon, mm-hmm. but it really was not. Um, flowers not, for Algernon is already sci-fi, to be fair. That is true. Um, I guess it, like an updated sci-fi version. With a VR uh, twist. Exactly. But it was not. Um, but it still felt like someone had it's read Flowers for idea, Algernon yeah. and was yeah. like, this would be a cool movie idea, but they just missed the point of Flowers for Algernon entirely mm-hmm. and also has never met anyone in their life with a mental disability. Ever. Looking just at like... you, Jeff Fahey. <laughs> Guy, and also, the guy, the the guy who man. wrote, like, Brett Leonard, the director slash screenwriter, like, whenever the director is also the writer, you know it's going to be trouble. Just, that's a red flag immediately for me. Yeah, Unless... Quentin Tarantino, we're watching you. You <laughs> watch out. <laughs> <laughs> but uh... he didn't start out writing directing. Like, he started out writing things that were directed by other people, and then... Um... What did he direct by other people? No, he started writing things that were directed by other people. Like, uh, Love Story. Who? Uh, what, this guy? The... No, Quentin Tarantino. What? Yeah. You mean True Romance? Yeah, that's it, True Romance. That was after, uh, thing. Well, Jackie yeah, Brown? I think it might have been sold after, um, uh, it might have been sold before, uh, Reservoir Dogs, but it came out after Reservoir Dogs. Oh, really? I thought it came before. Pretty sure it came out after. Hmm. Interesting. Well, listen... Every rule has an exception, and sometimes if the director slash writer is very, very talented, then they can get away with it. But generally, when I see writer and director, uh-huh. I'm a little bit skeptical. In this case, right, it, in this case, it was right on the money. I don't, I don't like Hitchcock's movies very much, to be honest with you. Actually, that one didn't make sense because he doesn't, he didn't try his own movies, but but he's good. He's gonna write his own movies? No. I guess I don't know about Hitchcock. No. I guess I watched Suspicion too early in my foray into Hitchcock, and I was like, this is garbage, I'm out. For you, it was kind of like a lawnmower man. It's like someone put on a VR headset to you, and it was just too much for your brain. You just said, no, 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 take it off, take it off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ready for this yet. Uh... Cyber Christ. <laughs> Okay, we make references to that because in this movie they actually make references to Lawnmower becoming Man a cyber, cyber Christ. Christ in this really daft uh, CG like version of him. Like he, like spoilers, like he gets completely like 
like pulverized essentially he kind of uh, like his, he connects his, himself his to the gyrosphere essence, his bodily essence essentially somehow gets usurped out of uh, you know physical reality and goes into digital reality and he becomes this nightmarish uh, cg just like a shriveled person. up mannequin like someone took a mannequin that had been floating in the thames river and, for five months and, and there's weird religious imagery he tries to crucify uh pierce Brosnan's character who's also trapped in the vr world all this uh, stuff mm-hmm a lot of religious imagery. By, again, someone who doesn't seem to really understand anything about Catholicism. Yeah, well, it seems like a nod to uh, carry that. Exactly, yeah. yeah. It seems like someone just watched a bunch of other movies and read some stories and then tried to make a movie without understanding any of it. Yeah, pretty much. And then they came up with this. Just a lot of... Oh man, uh, I wrote down some lines that are were bad. Um, one of them, the Pierce Brosnan's character in a scene that I felt could have been a PSA about um, it, it could have been a PSA about I'm just gonna come out and say it molestation. He goes up to a mentally challenged person who's mowing his lawn. And, uh, the lawnmower man. The, the lawnmower the man. One. And uh, and he's like, what does he say to him? He's like, hey, uh, like come with me, come to my basement. And he's like, hey, um, so uh, you want to get smarter? I could make you smarter. Before like, he even says, do you want to be? Oh, it might have been. I'm forgetting the order, but at one point, yeah, he lures him into his basement, and yeah. then he's like, we're gonna do this thing together, and you have to keep it a secret. You can't tell anyone. It's just between you and me. He's like, hey, if you're smarter, then people wouldn't be able to take advantage of you. And I'm thinking, like, like kind of like the way you're taking advantage of him. Right exactly. Now. Yeah. He's the reason that he lures him into his basement is because he's doing scientific experiments and he wants to use a human subject. So he looks out his window and he's like, oh, the mentally challenged lawnmower guy. Right. So I feel like this movie kind of has a lot of influences from you know like uh, stories that have some kind of a moral um, that they're trying to impart. And I couldn't really tell what this one was because I don't I know what like this movie like was saying. I feel like it's trying to make Pierce Brosnan's character like somewhat sympathetic, but also like he did a really fucked up thing by getting a guy who, you know, like, he took by advantage all, like, of by someone all accounts who... it probably isn't uh, you know like able to make his get, own decisions. You know, yeah, give him that yeah. kind of consent and mm-hmm. especially doing it under under the radar after like losing his position as a scientist and everything. He does this, and then somehow he ends up being on the side of good. When you know, when in even even more people in an evil corporation, they go even further than he wants to go. Mm-hmm. He never, and, even and he though stops. even in the end, he's one who stops it. He doesn't stop it because he realizes, oh my gosh, I should never have done this. This yeah. was bad of no, me. The thing, the, he, thing, he, the part they did is bad. Mm-hmm, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like they're the ones who crossed the line yeah, he's never by trying like to militarize this. I shouldn't have done this in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, he was fine for taking advantage of someone who was not legally able to give his consent and, yeah, and to can, being experimented on. So I can't tell if the movie has anything to say about that. Um, so I guess it just seems to be more about just abuse of authority figures or something. Like, what is this about? Like, what are the themes of the lawnmower man? The themes of the lawnmower man. Yeah, I'm guessing it's kind of like for, for me. It seems like um, more like uh, random topless men, mm-hmm. bad hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, it, bad, uh, CG, really bad, really bad CG. CG. There's a scene where a bunch of security guards get attacked by a swarm of cyber bees. Which cyber bees? That's really like reading into it because you can't tell it because it's just a goobly, <laughs> mess of pixels on the okay, screen. Okay, cyber like, bugs. 
it's it seemed like they were getting attacked by cyber pixels. Like <laughs> I feel like this is one of those movies that was made in the early nineties and people were really excited about the potential of technology and what it could do, but they didn't know enough about technology to really know what it could do and so um Yeah, it seems like a tech demo, something that should have just been like a weird feature on like some um hey, C D ROM, like, you know, full motion video, like multimedia kind of time era like <laughs> thing. Like look at all this crazy stuff we can do. We can become telekinetic, it, we can read minds. But we none can... of it goes anywhere because it's all just crazy like nonsense because mm-hmm. everyone's just trying to chase the whole thing, like you know, like VR back then. Like they tried to do VR in the nineties for real. But like technology was nowhere near ready. It was all just hype and Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like it's essentially one of those things. Yeah, what would you say is the moral of the story? The moral of the story is... Um, or if anything, like the what the director wants you to walk away with. Because not all directors th- want to impart a message, but at, they yeah. at least want the audience to leave with something. And I'm not sure what the director wanted us to leave with. I have no I'm idea. I'm thinking it's something to do with uh, how like a lot of these monsters are man-made so it's like our faults or so whoever you know the faults of different people and people who are not responsible like essentially probably one of those things don't play god or you know like something you shouldn't do that shit i would say that but except for the fact that the scientist never is made to exactly so that part so i feel feel like this kind of uh, makes a distinction between him and the other guys who go even further than him Mm -hmm. so it's like the evil corporation or like or or, uh, the priest who there's a priest who abuses him too right like i mean uh, Mm -hmm. he like hits him with a belt yeah, and and I feel like they're all kind of treated equally. So it's not even necessarily about making him. It's not necessessarily even about like uh, making him smarter in a way he didn't expect. It's it's also mm-hmm. the priest, you know, beating him up, or it's like this, uh, the other people in his life. You know, there's this um, car uh, mechanic guy, or yeah, a car mechanic who makes fun of them, and, and, gets... and then he goes get, essentially gets revenge on all of them, just like mm-hmm. everyone else, and. Uh, so yeah, it's something. It's like a carry thing. It's just like someone. I don't know what it's getting at, but it's it's probably getting at the fact that like by like pe- these people who you know are weak and meek, and then like there's uh, people who take advantage, take advantage of them, bully like them, like the protagonist who is then, never punished. And, then, and for... then essentially, this is how they essentially get their ends. <laughs> Watch out for um... yeah. Don't bully people because they'll, they'll come after you afterwards and. Uh, Make you die in a really awkward-looking, uh, burn. Like we, we, we assume it was a burning animation of the priest, but it was hard to tell. Like he was like turning into energy. Yeah, I wasn't sure if there was if he was somehow digitizing the priest and turning him and like getting sucking him into computer and turning him into like more cyber bees, or if the priest was supposed to be burning alive. I could not make that distinction until a police officer later said in the movie, "Oh, and like Father So and So burned alive." Yeah. A thing that the police officer chalks up to spontaneous human combustion, maybe. None of the characters in this movie behave or talk or think like real people. Oh, you mean that police officer who is the principal in uh, Twin Peaks episode one? Yes. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what did you think about the opening of the movie, which I was, I was not expecting it. When it starts off, I'm, I'm like, wow, it takes actually a while for the one more man to come in there. It's all like at the beginning. Yeah, it leaves us... Um, it's a Pierce Brosnan is having a nightmare about uh, like a monkey going, you know, that he's trying to teach. Uh, that's not a nightmare thing. though. That's um, what what's actually, oh, it actually happening. Happened? Right. Yeah. right, it actually happened. But he thought he was having a nightmare, so he said, oh, "Wait, is there?" I don't know if we ever are seen or shown his nightmare or the the flashback no, is his nightmare. Out, and I think he didn't know. I think he finds out that it happened. I wonder if that's actually that's probably reading uh, reading into it way too much. But it's that like uh, they're suggesting that he already has a bit of telepathy or something. 
I really doubt it. No, I don't think so. I don't think so that at all. That could be cool though. Oh, okay. We need to we need to come up with a some crazy conspiracy. Well, not a conspiracy theory, but like, like a, theory, a, fa a fan a fan theory. theory. No, I'm not a fan of this movie. I, like yeah. a movie watcher theory. Yeah, okay, movie watcher. <laughs> 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 to try to make sense of this movie. Um, yeah, Pierce Brosnan. This is really a love story between Pierce Brosnan and the original chimp, who's his test subject Interesting. Yes. because we open with Pierce Brosnan saying, I forget the name of his character. It doesn't matter. Uh, talking to one of the suits at the corporation, telling him that he refuses to do these unethical experiments on this monkey. He refers to the chimp several times as the best chimp I've ever had. Damn it. And several points in the film, whenever that chimp comes up, he's like, Oh, that was the best chimp I ever had. I feel like this is just a story of him getting his heart broken because his chimp leaves him, and then rebounding with the lawnmower man. You between him and his wife, and like, there's never a point when they ever seem to be happy with each other. It's like, yeah, she leaves him very early on. She leaves him early on, and uh, yeah, I guess she just couldn't fill the hole that the chimp you know, mm -hmm. filled before in his life. He he was the best chimp he'd ever had. So I mean, who I mean, could fill that void? Right no one. <laughs> No one could fill a void of chimp it used to fill. <laughs> <laughs> there, um, I feel like the notes I wrote for this movie, trying to remember things, were way more detailed in the beginning, and then I just got overwhelmed by all of the garbage in the film, and was like, you know what, no, I can't do this. Um, so I have a lot of things written here about the the chimp doll that they used. At certain points, they just show uh, the chimp with the VR headset yes. flying around in the gyrosphere, but it's obviously a doll. Yes. And they show the chimp's hand um, trying to escape using the like a key card to unlock doors, and yes. it's just like a doll hand that's it's a little, being flung it's, into it's the a, scene. It's a bit of a bizarre recurring like motif. Or, or, and like, we see that scene. several times. Like it, it flashes up a bunch. It always really wants you to pay attention to how them swiping that card. Maybe that mm -hmm. was new technology back then too. Like, ooh, people are swiping cards to open things up. You know, it could be VR and you know swiping cards out of the future. <laughs> and finally, you know, we'll dazzle VR. them with our technology, and they won't notice our terrible doll stand-ins. They won't notice our terrible uh, CG. Man, there was some really bizarre, like, love, you know, like, people, a sex scene in CG. Yeah, there. let's talk about that sex scene for a second. Oh. <laughs> I don't know that we have to. Um, <laughs> okay, it, it, so... It, it almost seems like another moment of abuse, because she also, like, the lady, the rich lady that he seduces, or seduces him, at some point he's smarter than her, and she seems like a, kind of a, an airhead, and he... Brings, you know, she's clearly, clearly Let's talk about, him, Let's talk about this relationship from the beginning. Let's talk about this relationship from the beginning, Igor. All right. What do you want to say about it? I just want to say that the first time that she sees him, yeah, she sees him in his fully, like, she sees him as the disheveled. mentally challenged he's person like from next door. He's, like, and, like... Like, like, you know, like, uh, like a, some kind of a goblin, like, opening up a sandwich, like, <laughs> He's bag. got, like, elastic bands around his hands that, for no reason. He's just... And something... He's a cartoon of a mentally challenged person. Yeah. And she watches him from her porch, and she doesn't just, like, sort of glance at him and then look away. She looks at him, and there's a moment where she's like, hmm, this mentally challenged person. Then she sees his butt in the rear view mirror, and she's like, ah, I want him. Yeah. And the... The most uncomfortable seduc seduction scene that I've I've ever seen because oh. he obviously doesn't understand. Like he, it's pretty clear that he's never been with a woman before, um, and it just feels. It's, I mean, she asked him, and he says no. Yeah. So yeah. 
that makes that clear. <laughs> it's very clear. I don't know how we're supposed to feel sympathetic for this character at all because watching it, you just feel, oh, she's taking advantage of a mentally challenged person and having sex with them. Right, but eventually their relationship, you know, continues, uh, and then he takes her to this uh, laboratory where they, he stabs her into the whole VR thing and the gyrosphere. Also, I love how we get to say gyrosphere now, like nonchalantly, like that's the <laughs> thing that makes sense. Yeah, um, in the world of this film, definitely, it's the most normal thing. I have no idea how in that's the, supposed to be. <laughs> in the film, like, like there's, it seems like you're completely immobile inside of that thing, so like. You can't even move your arms or legs. You're just sort yeah. of whirling around. And that's somehow supposed to make the VR thing more real to you. Again, people didn't know what VR was. Back then. <laughs> I'm sure back then it felt like, oh, you're not going to be restricted. You can turn any way you want. Mm -hmm. Because you couldn't do that regularly. I don't know. Exactly. People fly around a lot. So go on. So Describing um, the VR it's sexy. So, so at some point when he resteps her and it, it seems like she doesn't know what she's in for and it seems like the other way around. It's just like all of a sudden he's taking advantage of her. So Igor, Igor mentioned when she was strapping her in and she seemed kind of hesitant. He was like, oh, here we go. And then one of those girlfriends who's putting up with the boyfriend yeah. playing video games. Yeah, just she was like, okay, I'll do this just to, you know, just to, <laughs> to keep you happy. And then we're going to get back to the whatever else. Uh, yeah. And... Um, and then they have a really awkward uh, CG scene of like you know these nightmarish looking uh, you know humanoid the yeah humanoid figures. like mannequin type things that are like shiny and exaggerated and, and grotesque. They go, they melt together, turn into a yeah they dragonfly. The, their VR selves kiss and then their faces melt together and then yes. they sort of their bodies spiral out and spiral together and meld together. In what I feel like, I feel like you could describe this as like a haunted man's acid flashback. This scene, it just this would be the most nightmarish of acid flashbacks. Yes. Yes. I I have high hopes that if I ever get an acid flashback, if I was ever to do acid, <laughs> that my brain would be able to compute slightly better graphics than 1992. <laughs> um, you know, lawnmower man. Oh, they turn into a dragonfly, and then. I said that part, yes. They And then she gets stuck in a, some sort of glue. Gobbledygook. Gobbledygook. And yeah. she starts crying out for help. And he claims that he knows what she really wants. And he turns into a strange monster? Yes. I didn't get that scene. He turns into a weird monster. And then like she passes out. And he's just like, oh my god, I thought we were safe. I didn't know you li wouldn't like this or something. And, and after like, that, uh, she completely think... loses her mind. And she's only ever shown again as this like his, like his sort of laughing hysterically, staring blankly into space. Yeah. He destroys an, her brain with the weird VR uh, sex. Movie, I think. <laughs> yeah, we never see her again. And the and police officer goes... mentions her. The police officer is like, oh yeah, like Marnie so-and-so. They found her wandering around the streets half naked. Mm -hmm laughing like a psychopath um the end let's not find out what happens to that character ever again nope <laughs> why would you she was she was not a very good character <laughs> she was not it's true um but uh, i feel like you could say that for any character in this movie mm -hmm. also um why are you taking away my notes i just wanted to see what else there was to talk about about this movie um, there was, there's the end when, uh, the scientist is having his happily ever after the next door neighbors. Yeah. So Pierce Brosnan's Brosnan's neighbors are a uh, husband and wife and their little kid. And it's shown from the very beginning of the film that the husband is very, um, like verbally and physically abusive of his wife and child. He's one of the people that, uh, the lawnmower man gets revenge on. 
is the lawnmower man is friends with uh, the little kid. This and... has to be like one of those classic, like, you know, bad movie death scenes, right? Like, I've, I don't think I've ever seen it, but it, it has to be like... It felt like something I would see in a YouTube compilation entitled exactly. Worst yeah. Death Scenes. Exactly. So basically, he's just sitting there, and then he, 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 he's hearing a lawnmower... And basically, for whatever reason, like this lawnmower man, he goes on a rampage, and he has to, like, you know, true to his name, he has to use the lawnmower. He has to somehow use the lawnmower motif in his death. So he either implants the idea of a lawnmower, like chopping up a guy's, you know, like the brain of the guy who, like this mechanic guy who he, you know, somehow makes him go crazy because he looks at his eyeballs just contained like his lawnmower man, lawnmower thing in his mouth, and they're just chopping up his brain. No, that was a different guy. That, oh, that was, was the guy. that was and the gas this, station and, and, attendant. And yeah, that was the gas station attendant. And then this guy, he goes and like he, you know, uses his powers to control a lawnmower, which is way more of like a wood chipper or something because it just goes tears through everything. Oh yeah, it. He, there's a scene where the camera zooms in on the door, and he, uh, the guy's staring at the door. The camera zooming in on the door, and then the lawnmower just bursts through the door and chews up the wood of the door, and then like chews up a coffee table. He ran, runs outside, and the lawnmower flies at him in slow motion. And um, next thing we hear about him, his bodies are, his body parts are found in the bird bath, parts of them. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, really bad death scene. Um, but then that wife and child end up with like Pierce Brosnan ends up with that mom at the end of the movie despite the fact that I think she has no lines I was very confused by the whole thing I, at some point I think I began confusing her with Pierce Brosnan's wife character so I think I didn't even notice that like Pierce Brosnan's wife was gone until I had to start thinking <laughs> about it everything is just so senseless with that stuff yeah. And, and I feel like they felt, oh, at the end, he has to have this motif of, like, his the burning building. Like, they, they blow up um, virtual space industries to defeat the bad guys. And they're standing watching these explosions. He's got his arm around the mom and his arm around the kid looking brave and heroic. Or I guess what they thought looked brave yeah. and heroic. He's wearing a unitard. And at the end of the movie, they come down into his basement. And they're like, come on, like it's time for us to go. And... Um, and he's heading out with them. So it's sort of implied that now they're a family, even though I don't think he says two words to the does, mother throughout oh, the wow, whole yeah, film. Yeah, yeah. You're right, that does imply that. Yeah. And then it ends with the dark, nightmarish, uh, you know, the phone's thing ringing. Phone's ringing, which means Lawnmower Man, as he, you know, uh, has became threatened. part of the mainframe and he's uh, taken over, I guess. And so... mainframe is another one of those words that I feel like it's thrown around a lot in the 90s because people didn't understand what mainframes yes. were. They just felt like... He just hacked into the mainframe. He's, he's in unstoppable the, he's in now. Technology now you know? <laughs> he's connected. He's part he's of it all. He's plugged in. He's downloaded in the net. It, apparently, it's the old uh, knowledge that the alchemists always had all along. They just didn't have technology. They didn't have a mainframe to plug into before. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, I remember watching things like that and thinking that the internet actually was a place where like numbers were just flying around and you could like shrink yourself down and surf on it. Do you remember that? A lot of cartoons no. in the 90s had that. I didn't thing. watch Reboot, so no. I'm not talking about Reboot necessarily, although, yes, this probably did factor into my perception of the internet and computers, but I feel like every TV show at one point in the 90s had an episode where the kids go into a computer. And yeah. it was it was just always some weird skateboarding, probably skateboarding because it was the 90s, um, yeah, I didn't but think just, I didn't think that, but I I used to think internet was just like essentially a place you go to like on, on you know on your computer, mm-hmm. and I thought like like you know when there was just uh, I found out like you know game ROMs online, 
I had assumed, well, like obviously they're free because we're already paying for the internet. Like, so whatever you pay for the internet, so you get all whatever stuff that's on the internet for free. Like, so that's how it works. So it's like, you know, it's like, <laughs> the internet like, is a big package it's like, deal. It's like you have a subscription to everything. <laughs> you know, like, and you realize, oh, the internet is just a thing that takes you to places that, you know, anyone can build. But. All right. Do we have anything else to say about this movie? Uh, a lot of bad acting, a lot of bad lines. Things like the main character saying, I was born dumb. Uh, also, the the guy is selected, and it's implied that the this treatment process of VR training and um, a weird colorful drug that's injected into his neck is so successful because, because he is mentally challenged and He's described as having a brain like a clean, hungry sponge. Yes. Sorry. What was that? Did someone call you? Yeah. You didn't answer it? We're doing a podcast here. We can always cut it and have a break if you want to talk on the phone. You sure? Yes. Okay. I'm not cutting this out. That's what you get for stopping the flow of the podcast. I was trying to be polite. I was trying to be considerate. I was like, maybe it's important. Maybe I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have stopped it if it was important. Mom well. from Ukraine is no. calling. And it was not definitely to... not my mom from Ukraine. Is your different mom? No. Okay, I'm just trying to be considerate in case you have stuff going on that you need to address. We're living in a day and age where when people call each other, it's because of an emergency. So. So, I'm thinking because this is the, the worst of the three movies that we've seen uh, for this. Um, we, we like we need to have a scale for movies, and perhaps it's gonna be like, you know, how many how many lawnmowers is this movie? How, how many lawnmower mans is this movie? And I was like, it's, that's gonna be the scale. It's a lawn, lawnmower man scale. Yeah, I'd be down for that. And it'd be like it'd be like, it gonna be like one it'd be like golf thing, scoring. So the like... more lawnmower men it is, the worse it is. Mm-hmm. The more lawnmowers, the worse. Okay, yeah. yeah. The more lawnmower men, okay. the worse it is. Okay. So how many is it out of? Or is it an, an indefinite? So this it, movie is like infinite lawnmower men. Mm-hmm. It is. Or we we can grade this movie as a hun- like this a lawnmower man scale of a hundred. Okay. So it's the perfect lawnmower. Yeah. It, yeah. Like perfect is in like perfectly bad. Mm-hmm. Yep. So okay. But, there are a few things I still want to talk about with this movie. Though. But wait, so like golf, though. But if it's like golf, but it, if it's good at being like the higher your score, so the worse one, it is. Technically, this is a one because at golf, the lower score is actually the best one. So this is the best of being lawnmower. No, this is the this is a bad movie. So it has a lawnmower man factor of a hundred. Listen, I don't know golf. All I know is that in golf, big numbers are bad. I'm just I'm just thinking maybe they're scoring well at being a lawnmower type of movie. Therefore, the wor- the lower number, the, the worse it is technically. Because, That's too confusing. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. The lower your lawnmower man scale, the better the movie. Okay. How many lawnmowers is a Battlefield Earth? I hope the Battlefield Earth is like 80 lawnmowers. 80? Yeah. I know you would put it at less. You like that movie. Yeah. Um, I'd put it maybe a 75. All right. Yeah. Okay. Not too far off there. We're pretty close. Waterworld, though. Oof. 89. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say Waterworld is maybe, um, I don't know, I think I, I don't know if I soft spot for Waterworld. enjoyed Waterworld more than Battlefield Earth, but I think that it had more merit. Yes, it had better, 
talent behind it. I just think it was kind of more of a, the way it was put together was more of a mess. I, it, it disappointed me because I felt like it because it actually this, that one actually had more potential. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, Battle of Earth never really had any aspirations to be anything more than like a B schlock, you know, sci-fi. Uh, hey, John Travolta had great dreams. He, he did. Yeah, maybe for that film. John Travolta, am I right? That's right, Tarantino. Way to bring back John Travolta. <laughs> We're watching you. You're, you're unnoticed for the second time in this episode. Uh, this is what the world needs. Take Quentin Tarantino we have to, we have to down find, a peg. Yeah, we have to fa- keep finding ways to fault Tarantino. <laughs> oh, I'm a big fan of you, Quentin. Don't be mad. Oh, I want to talk about this scene where Pierce Brosnan is being chased by a goon from the like the bad guy corporation uh-huh. through what looks like an underground car park. Then, out of nowhere, oh, yes. a fancy waiter carrying a, a tray with champagne in it just walks by them, just casually, not like he's like he's supposed to be walking through this basement car park. Uh, Brosnan grabs the champagne, smashes it on the bad guy's head, knocks the bad guy out, and the, the waiter is just sort of standing there like, okay, this is normal. He looks a he little bit confused, but he, he's probably you know, got a wife yeah, and kids. He's just doing he's, his job. He's doing his job. He's <laughs> and, a goon. Yeah, he's a goon. And then the waiter asks Pierce Brosnan as Brosnan turns to leave, uh, what should I do? Brosnan then gives the waiter a gun and says, cover him, and leaves. And the waiter sort of con- very confusedly points the gun at a man who's already knocked out and unconscious, just which, nervously ho- holding his tray of champagne. I think that's actually the same gun that Bruce Willis uses to kill John Travolta in Pulp Fiction. Coincidence? Probably. Probably. You're just trying to get back to Quentin Tarantino somehow. Yeah. Back to Battlefield Earth. Uh, <laughs> uh, Cyber Christ. Yeah. That, to me, was the moment where I checked out of this movie. Very underdeveloped uh, concept. All, like, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this whole religious kind of... Uh, Aspect takes on where he's saying that... Like, he's saying he touched God, and mm-hmm. then... He saw God, he touched God, he, and... matter of fact, he says something cyber Christ, and I'm like, mm-hmm. what? Yeah, because Brosnan says something like, you have, a, you have a Christ complex, guy. this yeah. is a, uh, you know, textbook Christ complex, and then the guy counters with, like, I am Christ, I'm cyber Christ. Yeah. And that was the moment where I just felt totally emotionally exhausted with this film, and felt like, like I had really to lie down with a cold compress over my forehead. Yeah. I think this is the moment when Igor grabbed a beer... <laughs> that might have been it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had to have some help. Uh, like I said, I felt by, by the time this movie was over, I felt like it had its way with me, <laughs> and it had taken something from me, and I felt like I had perhaps lost my innocence. Yeah, it was I was no longer an innocent babe. Not a fun experience. It was fun in some ways, but in other ways, uh, I, it was also I don't damaging. know. Was it worth it? Was it worth it? No. Was it all worth it? No. I mean, was it worth it for them to do this to this lawnmower man? Probably not. It could have worked, though. Uh. Who knows? Did I, did I learn something? No. <laughs> I did not learn anything. <laughs> That's the thing. Is I can't it's tell another, it's not, oh, it's Speaking like, of like learning, there's a scene where the mentally challenged man, who at this point is more developed in his... Uh, in the, the scientific process, so he's starting to appreciate music more, he's starting to stand up for himself, he's starting to dress better, but he's still a little bit slow. Like He's still not altogether being played as a intelligent person yet. Um, uh, he's driving a, va- a truck 
with a child in the in the seat like the the kid the neighbor kid is driving with him and they're looking at they're listening to music and talking about music and he sort of veers the car around we hear a like a meow and he grabs the wheel and goes oh whoops and the kid goes hey who taught you to drive and the guy just shrugs his shoulders and goes me and then they both throw their heads back and laugh yeah (laughs) that's kind of the movie in a nutshell it's that stuff yeah a lot of that but it's it's just like that after that after that after that. So at a certain point, you just feel like enough, enough. I, like I almost realized how weird it is, like how he ends up killing that kid's dad, and like, what did the kid like? What did he do to him? Like he called him. I guess he called him some bad names a little bit. Like, he told the kid not to hang out with him because he was like, "Oh, you're gonna catch stupid" or something like that. Yeah. And he but sees it, it him seems, abusing the kid. He sees him hitting the kid, somewhat, and the kid he sees is his a bit friend. Of it, but it's just like, but it's 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 uh, yeah, one of those things where it's like the movie sets that up just to uh, as the you know just to justify why we shouldn't feel bad for him when he kills him mm-hmm. with a lawnmower. He just chops him up. But I mean, given the evidence, he could just have been a a regular fine dad having a bad day. It's yeah. not like he. It's not like the lawnmower man witnesses the day to day abuse. Even, maybe he even is a shitty dad, but like it's it's sort of to throw that in as a justification for why you're gonna murder a character is. Uh, oh, is... I don't think any of the murders are justified. No, they're not. Nope. There you go. We've we've rendered a judgment on this movie. It is a hundred lawnmowers <laughs> out of a hundred. <laughs> he is uh, just. Listen, if someone tries to tell you this is a cult classic and you need to watch this film because it's so bad it's good don't listen to them because it's just bad or, or, it, it or doesn't commit it is it is talked about it sometimes sometimes you have to live through a little bit of pain just to be able to talk but to it's people, just you know about it it's not one of those it's going to be this fun cult movie experience it's just it's not going to be fun for its own sake it's, it, no. might be, it, it might you might you don't it might be one of those things where you have to suffer through just just to have that under your belt like i've, I've been mm-hmm. through this you know just to be part <laughs> of club i did this to myself i didn't have to i did it though <laughs> I think, I don't know, maybe all you have to do is listen to this podcast and you'll be able to talk coherently enough about this movie that you'll get away with not seeing it. That's We've hope. covered all the all the high points. Now let's get to the low points. What are the things you disliked about this movie? <laughs> uh, I think the thing I disliked most about this movie was the... What I'm... I, I don't want to call it like uh like victim sexualization but that that seems like the wrong term but just I felt like every instance where we saw a character being sexualized was um not ethical in some way oh, yeah. we see a woman seducing movie. a man who's obviously like probably not able to give proper consent we see and then we see another case of a man sort of putting a woman into a, you know, VR gyrosphere device. Right. Maybe um, it's just a different time. I mean, we're just coming out of the decade where it was like considered romantic for you know, like oh, this guy's talking to this girl, and it's it's a romantic movie because you know he likes it so much, so it's okay for him to talk to her. And then but was she it likes ever him. like okay to sleep with mentally challenged people? I feel like that's I something like, that feel, across feel, the board like has always been not I feel okay. Like there's just so much of you know like poor moral fiber kind of on display in this movie that maybe it was just more banal back then people weren't as touchy-feely about those things you know maybe perhaps but yes 
at this time. That, that was the part that to me just made me the most uncomfortable. I think it probably like the least is probably the direction because I felt like this could have at least been a more fun, more like visually arresting or like, you know, like it was a better direction. Like if, if they gave this through like an 80s era Cronenberg or something, you could have done something kind of cool with it. Like it could have been like, you know, like a Scanners or something mm-hmm. like that, you know. Uh, yeah, as it is. It's, uh, there's no scanners. There was, there's just kind of a bit of a cool idea or a cool gimmick, the whole VR thing, and not a lot else, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Yep. All right, I think this brings us to a close of this episode. If you're going to turn this film into a drinking game, how would you? I feel like if you're going to watch this movie, you're going to need a drinking game okay. with it. You're going to need alcohol to get through it, guys. Um. Basically, when you feel like you've been completely drained of uh, your spirit <laughs> and of all uh, your energy, and you're not sure how you can, you know, get through it anymore without drinking, then 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 go drink. So that'll maybe have just to keep a flask of sleep. rum by you and then just chug it when you feel like your soul has died. Yes. All right. As it slowly chips away at your soul. So this is the this each was... time it takes a little bite out. <laughs> This is Isabel and Igor's fun drinking games tips. Enjoy responsibly. (laughs) One more man, enjoy responsibly. No, don't enjoy responsibly. You just got to destroy yourself for this film. Yeah. Destroy yourself to save yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that you can't process the things going on. Because if you did, it just, there's so many other questions. Which will maybe be answered in One More Man Part 2. A movie I can't believe got made. Well, this movie apparently made a lot of money, so you better believe it gets made. Yeah. I, the thing that surprises me most is that looking at it, and maybe it's because I was just reading these things off of the director's IMDb page, but there's a lot of talk about how this is a super visionary film, et cetera, et cetera. And I feel like the only way you could call it visionary is that it just talked about technology in the uh, 90s. Yeah, my guess is too, too much is made out of that because I feel like most of its visual motifs and things like that with cyber stuff, like... Was just it, very nineties and it's so dated. More or less present in Tron, like and, and mm-hmm. especially even the suits they wear are very. Oh yeah, Tron. they wear Tron suits. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All uh, right. We are getting long in the tooth here, so uh, thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. I'm Isabel. I'm Igor, and we watch these movies. So, eh, maybe you'll want to do it, but maybe you won't have to do it just because you heard us talk about them. Exactly. Peace out. Bye.